If you'd like to borrow a Bible, you can raise your hand. I would encourage you to look in the book. One thing I've learned after all these years walking with God, he will deal with us out of this book. And it's fascinating that he will do it. And you know, after, if there is an after, and there may not be, but after all of us are gone, uh, life has already been spent. Uh, if the earth is still going and the Lord hasn't come back, this book will still speak to people. It is the most awesome book there is in all the world. It is one of the most awesome things in all the world, this book called the Bible. If you have one or have it on your app, you can open up your Bible to the book of Habakkuk way, way back there in the Old Testament. If you need to know, it's on page 825. If you have a Bible like mine, otherwise, who knows where you're at right now. But Habakkuk 2, and we're going to begin reading here, and then I will share the title, the purpose of this. Habakkuk, the second chapter in the third verse says, uh, actually we'll begin reading uh, verse 2. It said, then the Lord answered me and said. You know what's so awesome about that? We don't serve a dead God. And if you're talking to him, he's going to be talking to you. If you deal with him from the heart, he's going to deal with you in your heart. You know, if you will just ignore him purposefully, he'll try to deal with you. He'll try to reach people in the world. But anybody who will endeavor to seek to know God he will begin to reveal himself to you. But it goes way deeper than that. Because there are people who aren't just trying to find out about God. There are people who know God. And the Bible said people who are saved, he said one of the most, I mean to me this is super awesome that he would say something like this about the covenant people have or the agreement people have that uh, are what we call born again. He said, nobody will say to his neighbor, do you know God? He, this is a promise. He said, nobody who's saved will say, do you know God? In other words, we're in church. Everybody who knows God, we shouldn't go, well, do you know God? He said, for we will all know him personally from the least to the greatest. In other words, everybody who has given their life to the Lord knows him. Has not just a relationship with him. There is a real knowing. And he knows you. And there is something beyond in Christianity than all other religions. You know, in other religions, the way the Bible refers to them and some people who came to know the Lord, they said things like this, we used to follow these dumb idols. Now, if we hear it in our language, we'll think, oh, that is stupid to follow that, but that's not what he meant. When he said they followed these dumb idols, it meant they were worshiping an idol or some other religion that couldn't deal with them, that couldn't talk to them, that wasn't really interacting with them. So when he talks about dumb, it's really like we would use the word mute. In other words, 
there will be no response when you pray because there's nothing that can speak back to you. There might be principles, there might be ideas, there might be even good you know, standards of life that some people live in the pursuit of these other things. But he said with God, he's not mute. In other words, he's not dumb. He will deal with you. And here he said, the Lord answered me. He dealt with me. And anybody who knows the Lord is going to be dealt with. It is one of the absolute signs to a person that they're saved. He said this because every child God deals with. The question is, how does he deal with people? Well, first and foremost, through the Bible. But everybody can read the Bible. But when we read the Bible, God will do something in us and deal with us out of it. But then beyond that, God deals with his people. And it may be a peculiar thing, but it is a reality. And this guy here said, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. So in other words, what is it that God does speak to us about? Many things, I'm sure, but one thing for sure is God deals with us about vision. How things ought to be, how he wants things, what he has for your future, what he wants kingdom-wise. He will give people vision. Even the world knows the power of vision. Even even people who don't know God. In the Bible, one of the most profound things we can see is people coming together over vision. Over a connected purpose. Most people have heard, well maybe, I don't know anymore, but when the Bible was more readily taught, there's a story in the Bible called the Tower of Babel how a group of people got together and united in vision and purpose, but it wasn't a God vision, and it wasn't a God purpose. And God said, there's so much power in that, I will confound their languages. And what's so cool is, when we get saved, we all get the same language. Did you know you can speak Spanish now? Portuguese? No. We all speak the same language. It's called faith and love. And we get this from God so that we can fulfill the dreams and the vision and the purpose he has for the kingdom and then us individually. And so he said right here, write the vision. Or in other words, what I deal with you about, make sure you don't forget it. He said, and make it plain on tablets, now we would say on your tablet, okay, sorry, but literally they had tablets of stone and different things they would write on, and uh, we would write it on a piece of paper, write it in a notepad in our phone or whatever it is, we would write down what God has dealt with us about, and you know, there are things God deals with us about, some are big things, 
some are things concerning the kingdom. Some are what we might think smaller things. But he will deal with us. And we need to make sure we don't forget them. Let me say that. We need to make sure we don't forget them no matter how big they are. Judas forgot how big of a purpose he was following when he was following the Lord. He, he started getting wrong dreams and wrong desires and he was walking with the Savior of the world. And he mistreated the vision. I mean, there were signs and wonders that were happening and he didn't keep it in the right place. We need to make sure we keep the things of God sacred, holy, and that we recognize the vision of the kingdom and then individual visions and goals God has put in us. And he said, make it plain so that he may run who reads it. In other words, so that you can go back at different times and read it and go, oh yeah, this is it right here. You know, these are real things that we really face in life is keeping the right thing in the right place. John, John the Baptist, or we call him John the Baptist or the John who baptized and prepared the way of the Lord, the Spirit moved on him. One day when Jesus was coming, God had been speaking to him. He had been living a life of purpose. And uh, he saw the Spirit descend on Jesus and he proclaimed, this is the Savior, this is the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sin of the world. How many of us would think, man, wouldn't it be cool just while he's preaching, all of a sudden you see this cloud, this thing, the power of the Spirit all of a sudden become evident and we see it go sit back on this guy over here in the back. And we went, whoa, that's the Holy Spirit just descending upon him. How many of us would go, whoa, that, that would change my life? That, that would be cool. John saw that, but it descended upon Jesus. And the Lord spoke to me and said, when you see this occur, you know that is the Savior of the world right there. He is going to die for our sins or for the sins of humanity. This is it. He saw that, and he told everybody, here, here he is. And it blew him away so much, it started to alter his life. He, he said, and he was sent to baptize people. And Jesus said, baptize me. And he said, I can't. He said, I, I'm not even worthy to touch your shoes and strap them on. And that means a lot more back then than it does today because uh, it, it, that was something despised, you know, the feet, dirty feet. And then interesting that God said we have precious feet when we go tell people about the Lord. And here he is, no, and the Lord said, no, it must be done, it must be fulfilled. And so he submitted to baptizing him, but he was so blown away. And this was like, wow, I've seen this, this was what God had talked to me about. And then a short time later, he's in prison, and uh, he has some of his disciples, he's about to get his head cut off for following God's plan. 
And uh, he calls some of the people that were serving underneath him, and he said, go ask Jesus. Go, go find him and talk to him. I mean, he's under this pressure. He knows the king is just not too pleased with him, and, or actually other people around him. And, and he said, go ask him, are you the one, or should we look for another one? Think about it. He was doubting who the Lord was, and he had this vision, he had this experience, and he was being pressured. How often in life do contrary circumstances pressure people? Maybe not to reject the Lord, but am I following his plan? Should I really do this, or is there something else to do? And uh, the the answer is John needed to follow the plan. And it's so interesting, Jesus didn't say, go back and tell him I'm the Messiah. He said, you go back and tell him these scriptures. He, he got him planted back in the truth and he said, look, you go tell him the blind see, the deaf hear, and stuff like that. And those were an endorsement of who he was, not just this who I am, follow me. And I'll tell you what, when, when life comes at us, you know, there will be times when it's like smooth sailing, hip, hip, hooray, and that could last a long time. But there will be other times where there will be challenges to the plan and the purpose of God. But that doesn't mean that, it, that it's changed one bit, or that God's plan has changed, or that his goal has changed. What he's endeavoring to do has not changed. Are you with me? I mean, some of the greatest challenges Jesus faced were right when he was about to alter areas by the plan of God. In other words, he had just been filled with the Spirit, and all of a sudden he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and the devil shows up and starts tempting him to get him to go a different way. But he kept the right thing, the right thing, and the goal and the vision, the right thing. And these things happened to Jesus a couple times, I was going to say in his career, <laughs> his ministry, uh, it happened. And where things tried to get a different place in his life. And he kept the right thing and the right thing and he kept the end goal or the vision or the things God had spoken to him about in the right place. And this is so important. Notice this as we read on. That he may run who reads it. In other words, we know what he wants. We keep that before us. We need to maybe go back and read it. Why would we read it? Because sometimes God just doesn't talk to you again about it. Let that sink in. Sometimes God won't just talk to you about it again. Because he expects us to walk by faith in these matters. So he said, write it down so you can go back and read it later. Oh great, I didn't write it down. Well, I do believe he'll remind you but there are times where he won't remind you. He'll expect you to just go back, look what he said, believe what he said, and know what he said is coming to pass.
I know that's not exciting because wouldn't it be better just like go, oh yeah, and there's a simple prayer. You just pray, angel, come and remind me. Because how many of us would do that at night sometime? You know, after a long week, a long month, a long year, a long three years, a long four years. Uh, angel, this would be a good time just, just to remind me. No, he said, you read it, that will remind you of when I said it and when I dealt with you. So it's important to take notes. Well, that's my message today, take notes. No, that's not it. But we should take notes. Somebody is over there pointing out to someone else they're taking notes, so that's, that's good. But notice he said, for the vision, or what he dealt with them about, is yet for an appointed time. Some things come to pass real quick, some things come to pass at medium speed, and some things take a little longer. But he said it was for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. In other words, if God said it, it's happening, whether it happens in a week, a month, or a year, or whenever it's going to happen, and it will not lie because God is not a man that he should lie. Numbers tells us he's not like the rest of humanity who will say something and change their mind. In Numbers, he said, he's not a man that will lie. If he said it, it will happen. He will make it good. And, he's, and it's so interesting, he compares us to man who could be wishy-washy. And he said, I'm not that way. If I ever said it, you can know and mark it down. It is going to happen the way I said it. Because I don't lie and back up from what I said. You know, that can do something to a person when you start realizing, man, God deals with me. It's been a little while. It's been a long while. But if he said it, uh, then it's going to happen. And he said you can compare it to man. You know what's so cool? How many of you have been let down by a man? They promised you something, and it didn't happen, and they didn't have it happen. God said, as sure as they don't do it, I will do it. Oh, that's good news. So next time somebody lets you down, you can go, praise the Lord. Thank you for that encouragement. <laughs> They'll be like, what are you talking about? Well, you just let me down, and God said, men lie. Men let you down. And he said, you know how they do let you down? I will never let you down. So you are just proving the point of what God said. What he has told me is coming to pass. Now, I don't exactly suggest doing it exactly like that to somebody who lets you down. But you can internalize it. You can internalize all the failures that people have presented to you and didn't come through. And God said, I'm not like that. And if I told you, I'm telling you, those people lie, I cannot lie. I will not lie. And it'll happen. 
And so, but he gives clarity so we don't question. Nobody here would ever question because we're just beyond all that. But he said, the vision is yet for an appointed time. That way you don't think if it doesn't happen by Tuesday, something's wrong. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. In other words, it will happen just the way he said it. Though it tarries, so that means sometimes when God speaks to you, it may take a little bit. But he said, wait for it. Why does he say wait for it? Because sometimes when we're waiting, there can be the pressure to compromise and accept something that's not exactly the best. To take a different route. Because this route is taking a long time. But let me tell you, whatever God said, it is the best. And it will blow you away. And that's why the enemy would say, hey, why don't you just um, take another path? The path of least resistance is often a crowded road. Of broken dreams and missed opportunities but man, the views on the road that is less traveled, the road that there is no compromise. If you compromise, get back on the other and go, I'm not going to compromise. I'm sticking with it because what he said will come to pass. Notice this. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. Wow. Wow. And it will not tarry. Eventually, it will happen. This is a huge thing. Why, why does God remind us of things at different times that he's dealt with us about? Because it helps us to keep proper parameters in our life. When people don't keep the right things in the right place, the parameters change. Think, think, about, think about John. He had the right parameters. I'm serving the Lord. I'm doing his purpose. But as soon as he started questioning, are you really the one, he said, or should I start searching again? Should I start looking for somebody else? Should I start pursuing maybe, maybe somebody some other way. But we need to realize when, when these things are fresh before us and kept in the right place, they actually bring parameters. Turn to Proverbs, the 29th uh, chapter. This is such an awesome verse, because one, it's in the Bible. But it helps us to understand uh, why the world does what they do. And why, why do people in the world pursue things that are endless pits that bring no fulfillment uh, and that we came out of? Why do they? Because they don't know the Lord or if they did know the Lord, they kind of put it in the wrong place, him in the wrong place. Notice this in, in uh, Proverbs 29 
verse 18. He said, where there is no revelation or literally prophetic vision or where God deals with you or we, we have purpose, you could say, from him, the people cast off restraint. In other words, when we lose sight of the Lord and his plans and his purpose and their priority in our life, people start getting rid of self-discipline. You know, if, if you have a dream to be an Olympic gymnast, you're going to be real disciplined about that. But if you lose sight of that, you're going to start losing sight of the discipline. But we're talking about the plans of God. I mean, this is Super Bowl Sunday. These athletes do things to prepare for this day, and it's been years in the making. Years of discipline, whether it's a kicker who has been maybe kicked hundreds of thousands of footballs in his lifetime just to go through two sticks standing up there that somebody painted yellow with a spray can. Okay, maybe not a spray can, but you know what I mean. And he just did that day after day. There are linemen that weigh 300 and something pounds that they've worked. I've been working to be a lineman. <laughs> but um, they uh, eat that way, and some of them, I've seen some after their career ends, they just shrink because they were forcing themselves to eat a certain way, to keep their weight a certain way for this goal of winning a football game called the Super Bowl. And they lived for it. And people practiced, you know, sprints and exercising their legs and doing all this stuff. And, and some of these people, you know, they make so much money, they, they hire chefs. I'd like to do that. But they do it just for the discipline of eating the proper food to keep them at a certain place for their end goal. I mean, they hire personal trainers. Why? Because they have a goal. And he said here, where people do not have prophetic revelation or a reality of who the Lord is and what he wants and different things, he said, they'll get rid of discipline in their life and start running wild. In other words, there aren't parameters set forth. And it's so interesting, we, we see people like Abraham in the Bible. When all of a sudden God made a covenant and said, I want to do something through you, he didn't do it exactly perfect, but he departed his land. And he started following God. Not everything he did was perfect, but he kept pursuing. And why did he do it? Because God had dealt with him. He had a personal relationship with him, with God. King David, the same way. He, he started living his life, and, and there were times that his spouse and were just not for what he was doing, and they would mock him. You know, look at him, he's dancing before the Lord like this and all this stuff. But David didn't go, oh, well, I'm so embarrassed to serve the Lord. I wouldn't do something, you know, maybe it'll look, make me look funny. He didn't care. He just said, I'm going to live this life. It, because he kept the vision of who God was in the right place in his life. 
And it wasn't like I'm trying to impress other people. He said, I want to impress God. And we can go through and see people like Joseph who had a big vision and a big dream and there it was wrought with peril along the way, but he stuck with it. He kept the parameters of life. And you know, when we hear from God, it does something to us. It really does. We just need to keep it there and sometimes he will remind us. And those things are precious. But remember this, when we have a vision and when God deals with us about a greater purpose of living for him and kingdom business and, you know, he'll deal with you about your work, your career, all kinds of things about family. But these things, when they're kept the right place in our life, can be infectious and can be helpful to those around us. Paul, the apostle who we see in the Bible, uh, was uh, really, his name was Saul, and then later on changed to, to Paul. He had this radical experience with God, and his whole life changed. And he started living this new life with purpose. And as he was traveling along, there was opposition to living this life. One time he was in a boat and the Lord said, I need you, you're going to go to Rome and you're going to testify of me before these, the king and these different people there. And uh, he, he told these people as he was a prisoner, let's not go, there's going to be a storm. And they said, no, everything looks good, we'll be able to make it, we'll just do this and it doesn't even matter. And he said, no, I perceive God. His relationship. He, 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 God was dealing with him. He said, we can't do this. He said, everybody's going to die. And they said, no, everything looks good. And so they set sail and all of a sudden a storm came up. And the power of God dealing with people, the power of God uh, speaking to us about our future and about life helps us to live a certain way. Well, they set sail, and as they were sailing along, it looked all good. Then a storm came, and in the Bible, it's called a rockladon. That sounds bad. That thing was in the Pirates of the Caribbean, I guarantee you, in that movie. I'm just not sure what it was, but it was like that. This massive storm hits, and uh, they're doing all they can to, to make it, and... Um, eventually all hope had been lost and they all said this is it we're done for they had thrown everything overboard they put these big ropes underneath trying to hold the boat together and you know it's a big ship and there's hundreds of prisoners and they're throwing cargo over thinking we're about to die and Paul goes and starts praying and God speaks to him and he comes up on deck and says now everybody you should have listened to me they, he's got listening ears now. They all think they're going to die because of what he told them before. Don't do this. We're all going to die. But the power of having purpose in our life and vision is infectious. If we'll tell it. And he said, we're going to make it. We're, the ship is going to be destroyed, but we're all going to make it. God spoke to me. God dealt with me. 
And uh, he said, let's all eat. So he took bread and he started eating. And it said, everybody watched him eat. Then they ate. And they were like, but you know, Paul gave them more than bread that day. He gave them more than bread. He gave them courage. He gave them hope. Where did he gain the courage? Through, through what we would call vision or, or interaction with God. He, he didn't just give them bread and say, let's eat bread. He gave them hope. He gave them courage. He gave them something he had. It started to govern his life. He set the parameters of his life by the courage he gained. We will make it. And he said, I'll make it because I know I'm going here to go do this because God has a destiny on my life. And because I'm here, you're all going to get affected by this. So he gave them more than bread. He gave them courage. Where did he gain courage? He gained it by God dealing with him. That is so huge. Notice Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Hebrews 10. He gained courage through his relationship and through the vision and the purpose and the things God spoke to him about. They set up how he would function. And they do the same thing for us. Hey, why don't you come do this with me? No, I don't do that stuff. I serve the Lord. Oh, come on. No, it's more than rules. It's my relationship. He deals with me. And he lived that way. And he knew that when God dealt with him, it would determine boundaries in his life. And he had confidence, and as long as he kept that confidence of what God said, he lived a different way. And everybody does. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Notice this. And in the 35th verse, it says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. Where, where did he get confidence? Where, where, where do we get confidence? Well, he's just about to transition into the 11th chapter, which when the Bible was written, it wasn't written in chapter and verse. He's just continuing the story. He said, don't cast away your confidence. And then he's about to tell the story of person after person who had heard from God, who had a dream from God, who had vision from God, whom God had dealt with, and some of it happened real quick, some of it happened over a long period of time, but he's about to tell them and give them tons of illustrations, which would be 2,000 more or more, which, okay, not exactly tons, but lots of illustrations about people who heard because faith comes by hearing, and it said, by faith. In other words, God dealt with all these people, and some of them it took a lo longer period of time, some a shorter period of time, but every one of them that God dealt with, it came to pass. So he tells them here in verse 34, or 35, do not cast away your confidence. Where'd they get their confidence? Where'd they get this assurance of something good? Through their relationship with God. 
which has a great reward. In other words, it will pay off. For you have need of endurance. You just need to stick with it. So that after you've done the will of God or walked on with God, you may receive the promise or see what he told you about was going to happen in your life, in the kingdom, wherever it is. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, he said, 1558, he said, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. He said, because your labor is not in vain in God. In other words, don't count what you're doing as something fruitless. Don't think, well, I haven't seen it come to pass yet. He said, your labor's not in vain. And he said that it will speak and you will see what he has talked to you about. That is such a cool thing that uh, he would remind us to remind ourselves that whatever he's dealt with you about is working. Most people know Hebrews 11.1, 1, if you've been to Hobby Lobby at least. <laughs> Notice I didn't say read your Bible, but if you've been to Hobby Lobby, you know, you'll see Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the uh, substance of things hoped for, uh, the assurance of things not seen. What, what he's saying there is when you believe and trust and are assured in what you hope or what you're dreaming about or the thing God has dealt with you about, he said it will start to cause it to materialize. It in time will. In other words, one translation talks about how faith turns really to sight when we believe. God causes us to abound in hope or expectation by our relationship with Him and our relationship in His Word. And He gives us dreams and desires that He wants to fulfill, but we need to take those desires and make sure we don't cast them off or throw them away. And one of the primary things you're going to need to do, are you ready? No. Yes. Is this, begin to proclaim those things as a fact. Whether you see them or not, just start saying, whether you say it to other people, say it to yourself. God is making good on what he said to me. God is working, whether I see it or not, he is bringing to pass everything he spoke to me. That's how we don't cast our confidence away. We keep our confidence in what he said. And if he said it, he's going to make it good. And there will be enemies to faith. But how many of you know we fight the good fight of faith, which means we win over all enemies? That means when he said it, he meant it. And when he meant it, he meant it to come to pass. So if it tarries, stay with the confident side and just declare. When you pray, even if you say, where is it, God? Don't end there. Just say, I know it's coming to pass. I know you're working it. I know you're making it good. 
I know whatever you've said, you're not a liar. Therefore, things are happening and being orchestrated for me now. So I would say this, no matter where we're at, I would bet God is probably reminding people of things he spoke to them about. Maybe people here are hearing something God's dealing with them about for the first time. Others may be, oh yeah, I thought that maybe was already gone. And he's like, no, just remember, I told you that. And there is an appointed time and it's working. Some people uh, could be going out the door and all of a sudden watch stuff change. Other people, maybe a day or two, some longer. No matter the time, realize this. Don't cast away your confidence. Keep declaring God is working these things now. And we're going to see some wonderful things come to pass because they are working. They are working in jobs, kingdom stuff. It is happening. 